All right, we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 today. This will be our conclusion of our missions month that we our missions six weeks. <laughs> we had our uh, end of June and then our July Sundays and um, now this next week we'll start a new sermon series. Uh, I'm not sure exactly yet what it's going to be. We're probably going to go back into prayer and kind of come back to our yearly theme, uh, but we will find that out next week. Second Timothy chapter one. I want us to look at the idea of being a partaker in missions. We had a really, really good month. Oh man, I tell you what, I, I finished the month, I was tired, but uh, I just uh, thank the Lord for all that, that was done in the month of July. The missionaries each Sunday, and we'll kind of review that this afternoon, but uh, um, the messages that, that came, I've listened to uh, all of them over again and uh, and just enjoyed the opportunity to be with them. The Sunday we had with the Pereiras, to me, was one of the most uh, special Sundays we've had in our church's existence. Um, I don't know if it was for everybody else. For me, it was. I just greatly enjoyed catching up with and then hearing again uh, the burden uh, of Mark and Ara there in Portugal uh, was a wonderful thing uh, to do. Me and my wife were working uh, to get over to Portugal possibly next summer and spend some time with Mark and Ara, um, but uh, we'll see on all that. But uh, excited about what the Lord is doing for them. Uh, Mark, uh, the first Sunday, Mark Tolson in China, um, eye-opening for me, eye-opening for me. I always had an assumption of what missions was, was supposed to be like in a closed country, and I'm so thankful for him and his family's faithfulness and for how God used them to open my eyes uh, uh, in, in that ministry. Of course, we got to meet a couple others as well. The Kellys to Suriname, uh, was, that was really um, helpful as well uh, to get a chance to uh, learn more. I, I'll tell you this, uh, I, was, I, was, I, I really liked Michael. I was really impressed with his wife. Um, her knowledge of the field and uh, that to me stood out. And uh, I was really impressed with the way that the two of them have such a burden. Uh, you always, missionary families, they, they all share the burden, right? They all have the burden for the people. Um, it was so obvious between the two of them for their burden for Suriname. Um, and I was, I was, I thank the Lord for, for having the opportunity to meet them and have them in as well. Uh, it was great. Today our focus is on our missions giving. <clears throat> We're not going to talk a ton about giving in this morning's service. Um, other than the, the kind of the theme of it and our closing point will be on it a little bit as well about being a partaker in missions and uh, this verse is, has been with me for a number of days uh, now and, uh, and I've been thinking about when I wanted to preach on it and, uh, and the Lord allowed me to do so today so we're going to do it today uh, but in 2 Timothy in chapter 1 look in verse number 7 and verse number 8 it says for God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse number 7 has been the, the main verse that's been with me over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, but uh, I want to look at these two verses today, look at uh, five to six things this morning, and then, uh, then we'll have lunch. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look at these verses. 
I pray that um, as they have meant much to me and have helped me uh, in, in past days, Lord, I pray that today it would be a help to each of us. I pray that we would grow closer to you because of your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to present this clearly uh, and correctly. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Second Timothy, here Paul is writing from prison to Timothy, a young preacher. <clears throat> Paul had been traveling, he'd been evangelizing, he'd been helping new churches and uh, new pastors and teaching and preaching and now he's writing to Christians to encourage and challenge them to fulfill the Great Commission. Ultimately, that's what he's doing. And he was saying, now, I've been doing this, uh, you need to do it too. And he's been giving advice on how to do it. He's been giving encouragement to, to keep it up. And, and uh, he's been uh, helping some who have been getting into the wrong and saying, you're, you're wrong, do right. Those sorts of things. And here uh, you can view these, this passage, these verses, as Paul writing to Timothy. But in reality, what it is, it is God inspiring it for you and I. Now, yes, Paul wrote it and it was geared to Timothy. But we have it in the Scripture, and therefore that tells us, as all Scripture is inspired by God, this was inspired by God. And so don't look at this as a cute story of Paul helping out Timothy, but understand it as what it is, God's Word given to us so that we can learn from it. Uh, the Bible tells us that all Scripture is given, right? We've looked at this verse before. So this verse here, verse 7 and verse 8, is, is given to us and it is profitable. It's profitable in doctrine. It's profitable in reproof. It's profitable in correction, instruction in righteousness for you and for I. So don't get stuck thinking, well, this is for Timothy. So let's see what Paul had to tell Timothy. This is for me and this is for you and it's from God. Verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. I want to look at that first. We're going to just go through it through the verse. The spirit of fear, something God did not give us in regards to the gospel, in regards to accomplishing the will of God. God did not give us a spirit of fear, of timidness, of scared, of worry. He didn't do that. The fear that we have for the world, God didn't give us that. The fear that we have of backlash at work, God didn't give us that. The fear that we have, the worry that we have in our life, God didn't give us that. The fear of our inability to do what God's told us to do, God didn't give us that fear. He did not give us the fear of the task being too big. That fear is not from God. That's just fear that we have in our life. It's fear that, 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 that we have allowed to come in into our life and to impact our decision making. We'll look at this afternoon, so I don't want to get too far into it. But if you remember last week when Brother Kelly was preaching, he was talking about excuses. All the excuses that Moses made for why he couldn't. You see, God doesn't give us the fear to do the things that God has told us to do. Because fear brings failure. Fear brings failure to do what God desires for us to do. When we fear what God has told us to do, we will not succeed in accomplishing it. In Matthew 25, verse 25, it said uh, in the parable of the talent, it says uh, of, the, of the servants of the talents, he says, And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there, there thou hast that is thine. We had the one servant who all he did was the talent as he hid it so he wouldn't lose it. And so when the master came back, he, he buried it, unburied it, and there it was. He didn't gain anything, didn't lose anything. But why did he do it that way? It says, because I was afraid. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. We look at, if we tie it to missions giving, 
we'll look at the the prayer. I, I I had a conversation with my wife. She's out of town, and I said, "What do you what do what do what do you think we should give our faith promise?" And uh, she told me, and I said, "Well, this was my number. It was different." And I said, "So we can do one of two things." I said, "We can meet in the middle, uh, and, and give what what the middle between our two numbers were." Or we can add the two numbers together and get, give that. And uh, she said, let's, let's, let's meet in the middle. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, there are times where God has said, do this or give this or, or, or whatever it may be. And, and the first inkling that comes into the mind is fear. But God, if I do that, then I might miss out on this. God, if I give that, then I may not have for this. Well, that fear is not from God. Where is our faith? Faith oftentimes does not exist where fear exists. There's not room for both. God has not given us the spirit of fear. What has He given us? We see as the verse goes on, but of power. He's given us the spirit of power. What power do we have? All power we have is because of Christ. Matthew 28, verse 18 in the Great Commission, the Bible says, All power is given unto me, Christ speaking. Then he says, Go ye therefore. That's the command he gives us. And then he comes back and says, I am with thee always. So he doesn't say that I've given you all the power. He says, All the power resides in me and God. But I'm with you. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us that of power. Power and trials. Power and triumph. Power to overcome. That's what God has given us. Gives us the power that we need or gives us the spirit of power that we need to get through the life and through the His will, what He's given for us to do. We'll look at the Great Commission. We've talked about it often. It's an impossible task. Without God, it's an impossible task for us to go into all the world and preach to every creature the gospel. My friend Trent Cornwell, who some of you know, um, is friends with Mark Tolson as well. Trent has said many, many, many times, I believe it's possible that in my generation we can accomplish the Great Commission. Why does he say that? I can tell you why. Because he doesn't have the spirit of fear, but of power. There's a lot more that goes into it than that, but it's the, the reality of it is still true. Because of Christ, we have the power to do what God has told us to do. God says, go talk to your coworker about me. We can be like Moses and make all the excuses that we want. Or we can say, God said that all power is given unto me, Christ, to go and I'll be with you. That means I have the power. I'm going to go. God says, I want you to give this amount. Well, you know, well, I don't know that if I give that amount that I'll have the ability to gain that money back to pay this bill or to do this thing or to, we're trying to save up for this, whatever it may be. And God says, I'm not giving you the spirit of fear, fear that you won't be able to provide. That's not of me. I've given you the power. I'm not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power. What else has he given us? Love, the power of love, the spirit of love. 
This is one that's often missed, sadly, in the Christian life. Uh, look with me, if you will, 1 John chapter 4. Hold your place in 2 Timothy. We'll be right back here. But uh, uh, 1 John chapter 4. It's a really good verse. I don't remember what the story is. Next to it in my Bible, I've written the name Elizabeth Elliot. Because at one time I preached on this verse and there was a really good sermon illustration about Elizabeth Elliot. I don't remember what it was. But it's there somewhere. And I could see why. Because look in verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Think about Elizabeth Elliot and her testimony and the things that she did. Could she have done them with a spirit of fear? No. Can we have fear and love at the same time? It says in verse 18, there is no fear in love. Sadly, today we look at people and we go, I know I'm supposed to love them, so we say, well, then I love them, yet there's still fear in our hearts. The Bible says there is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. Think about that for a second. Think of the ultimate example of love that we're given in Jesus Christ on the cross. There was no fear on the cross. Just love. Why? Because perfect love casteth out fear. I know Jesus is God. I understand that. But Jesus, although being God, made himself man. And the Bible tells us that Christ on this earth experienced temptation. Experienced what we experience. I don't know about you, but I, I've been afraid of dying before. I've been in the car before and thinking, is this it? <laughs> I've had some scary moments. I've had some near slips and falls off some places that probably I shouldn't have been in the first place. Thinking, wow, that's really scary. Christ knew from the moment he came to this earth what he was going to do. He was going to die. But there was no fear in that. Why? Because God doesn't give us the spirit of fear. He gives us the spirit of love. And perfect love casteth out fear. It can't be there. How do you view your relatives? How do you view your coworkers? How do you view your neighbors? Do you love them the way that God tells you to love them? The Bible teaches us to love our neighbor. It teaches us to love our enemy. It teaches husbands to love their wives. Wives are to love their husbands as well. Children are to love their parents. Parents are to love their children. How do you view the people in your life? Do you love them the way that God tells you to love them? You ever, uh, I want to be wise about this. Have you ever not passed out a gospel tract because you were afraid of the person? I'm not talking about scared of the moment. I'm not talking about uh, got cold feet and just got nervous and couldn't hand out the track, but you saw a person and you felt like, I need to give that person a track or I need to talk to that person, uh, but they just look a little shady. They look a little stinky. 
and the opportunities I've had to go to New York on a missions trip and evangelistic trip there, and we go out in the subways and pass out literature and tracts and, and offer to pray with people. And, and uh, when you do that, you find yourself in some, some odd situations. Because the thousands of people that are walking past you will either ignore you or they'll take the literature and keep walking. And out of the 80 or 90, 100 people or more that'll stop in a week's time to talk with you, it seems like about half of them are drunk and homeless. And they like to talk to you face to face. Well, that's rough. We always kept gum with us so that when we were talking to people, our breath was pleasant. Sometimes you pop it in just to try to breathe in your own nose to keep the other person's breath from getting in. <laughs> I remember the first time that I had someone stop and talk to me. I was a teenager. <laughs> and this person was off the rocker. I don't know if it was drugs. I don't know if it was alcohol. I don't know if it was a mental illness. I, I don't know what it was. But they were off the rocker. And I remember an adult was watching. They were still passing out literature. But they kept an eye on me. It was scary. I was, I don't know, 17, maybe 16. So I wasn't like a little kid. But I was scared. I've learned as I got older that people are scary. They just are can't trust anybody, right? If someone come up and ask you, hey, I'm out of gas, can I have some money for gas? What's your first instinct? You're not out of gas. You even have a car, right? I mean, that's just the natural for me, maybe not for everybody. You just don't trust people. And oftentimes, the biggest issue we have is fear of people. I'll tell you this, if God says, go talk to that person or go just simply hand that person a tract, the fear that you have is not from God. But I can also tell you, you're not loving people the way you're supposed to. I know this from experience. I'm guilty of it. God says, I'm not giving you the, the spirit of fear, but, but of power and of love. Love inspires us to action. Think about it, patriotism. Most of us will remember September 11th. I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, and I remember not truly comprehending exactly what was happening at the moment. I'd never been to New York at that, well, see here, I had been there before. Uh, no, I went shortly after that, so I was 17. We went January after September 11th. So I'd never been to New York, I'd never seen the Twin Towers in person. Um, at first, really no one knew what was happening, right? What, what in the world just happened? Then the second plane hit, then the stuff in Pennsylvania, the stuff in D.C., everything that was going on, and, and it did not take long to realize that someone was attacking us. I don't remember, I don't know about you, but I remember clearly the patriotism that it sparked. Why? Because at the end of the day, we loved our country. We loved our family, and even though maybe we didn't have family that we lost on that day, we, we, we had compassion for those who did. And that love inspired action. The military numbers grew. 
people started treating people better. As a whole, our country for a time got kinder. Why? Because love inspires action. Love of God will inspire love of people. We're not going to love people if we don't love God. It's just not going to work. And it says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love. That love is of God. God has given us that spirit to love God. And if we can love God the way we're supposed to, we will love people the way that we're supposed to. One preacher, um, I can't think of his name right now. I don't, I don't know that anybody here would know him. But, uh, but he said, I don't, I don't love people the way I'm supposed to. And it's impossible for me to love people the way that God wants me to. But I have to just love God the way I'm supposed to. And that's what gives me what I need to love people. And God has not given us the spirit of fear, but He's given us the spirit of power and of love. Then it says, of a sound mind. Discretion. The ability to put things in their proper place. To speak truth and only truth. It's important. Today we get caught up because of the way that, that our country is and our world is. Sometimes we mix politics with faith. And the reality is, is just because you're a conservative doesn't mean you're good. Just because you're a conservative politician doesn't make you a Christian. And God has not given us the, the spirit of fear, but of sound mind. Of the ability to put things in their place to speak truth and only truth. So we have people who want to talk and, and they'll open the door for us to give the gospel, but we might get veered off into things that are not important. To speak truth and only truth. I, I'm saddened by watching preachers trying to defend our president on how great of a person that he is. And I don't say this to bash the president. I think that I have a good testimony of not bashing presidents in my life. It doesn't take much for anybody to see he's not a good person. He does some good things. He's done some positive things that are good for our country. But what happens is a Christian gets so busy trying to defend the, the morality of a man that all of a sudden the lost co-worker goes, wait a second, what? And what we've got into is not speaking truth. We've started speaking opinion. And it hurts the opportunity that we have with the gospel. God says, I've given you uh, uh, the spirit of a sound mind to, be, to have discretion, to speak truth and only truth. That's what God gives us. What is truth? Truth is the gospel. There is no clearer truth in the world. And that's what God's given us, that ability to have that sound mind and to speak the truth. I've been asked before about certain things. Of course, me being a pastor, that happens a lot with coworkers, but I remember when I first moved here and was working and had a lot of people asking me different questions. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? 
they anticipated answers, and, and oftentimes they got the answer they anticipated. But I had to learn and mature to understand how to answer these questions properly. Because they're asking me about things going on in the world and politics and things like that. And I learned, thankfully, God helped me with this, to just speak truth. What is truth? Truth is the Bible. What do you think about this policy that just got put in place? Well, I don't know. The Bible says... It's not what they were asking. So we can all do that. We can all gear conversations exactly where we want them to go to. God's given us the, uh, not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Power because of Christ, love that casteth out fear, and a sound mind, truth, the ability to speak truth and only truth to be discreet. I have discretion about what we speak. Then it goes on in verse number 8, and it says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What do we have to be ashamed of in God? Nothing. Paul here, writing to Timothy, and God giving it to us through inspiration to Paul, he says, Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, of what God, Christ, what He went through, how He died, he died on a cross, a punishment that was given down to murderers, criminals, to thieves. Well, Christ wasn't that, but don't be ashamed of his death. He says, as well, or, or of me, he says, nor of me, his prisoner. As he's sitting in prison and for simply preaching, he says, don't be ashamed of those things. But then he goes on. And he says in verse 8, Be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel. Paul, in his early life, did not live a life that he was proud of. Right? God saved him. And Paul turned his life around. And we saw in, in uh, Brother Pereira's message, he talked about this. For a while, Christians were still skeptical of Paul. Barnabas spoke up for him, said he's doing good things. Let him come. Paul in his early life did some, some very cruel things, but, but since he, his, his salvation, Paul had lived a life that he was not ashamed of. And he says, don't, don't feel bad for me. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't, don't feel uh, uh, beat down because of where I am and what's happened to me. He says, but be a partaker. Be partaker in the affliction. And this is, I believe, something that we can take today, something that we've been talking about the last four or five weeks. And we have an opportunity to be a partaker. I'm not going to go to China, at least at this point. God hasn't told me to. I'm not going to go to China and start churches. I'm not going to have uh, to consider the fact that I might get thrown into prison because I'm preaching. But I can be a partaker in Mark's affliction. I can have a part in, in getting the gospel where it needs to go. I can have a part in uh, starting churches in China. 
I'm not going to go to Slovenia and start churches. But I can be a partaker in what John and Katie are doing in Slovenia. We have been a partaker. And I've found that as I invest not just money, but prayer into these missionaries, the John and Katie, and Chris and Sherry, Jeremy and Teresa, Mark and Aura, that when they hurt, I hurt. That when they rejoice, I rejoice. When God answers their prayer, He's answered my prayer. Paul here is telling Timothy in the church, he's saying, you know, yes, I've gone through things, and, and yes, I'm in prison right now, and, and those sorts of things, but he says, you can be a partaker. Not only you can be, but he says, do it. Be a partaker. Be partaker in the affliction. And it's important here because the Bible goes on and he says, be, be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel. There's nothing to be ashamed of anything that goes against us so the world would think because of the gospel. When we're doing it for God and we're obeying God, anything that comes in our way, it's nothing to be ashamed of. And Paul here is saying, and, and God gives it to us, and he says, be partaker in this affliction of the gospel. Not in the affliction of, uh, uh, of, of my fame, so to say, Paul's fame. And he was cast into prison and people knew who he was and all that sort of thing. And, and, and it's not saying be a partaker of, of, well, when you become a famous preacher, you're going to get this, this issue going at you. He's not saying that. He's saying of the gospel. If you're not receiving any backlash, then you're probably not giving the gospel out very regularly. So be a partaker of the affliction of the gospel, and it goes on to say, according to the power of God. Partake in it. Paul says, I've preached, I've helped, I've prayed for, I've visited. Now you do it. I'm in prison. I can preach and pray for and help the people that are around me, but I'm kind of limited right now on what I can do. You be partaker in the affliction of the gospel. You go talk to your neighbor. You go talk to your family members. You send out missionaries. You help start churches. You fulfill the Great Commission. Partake in it. Brother Kelly said it last week. I've said it before. I think it was Brother Kelly that said it. Oftentimes, we look at the pastor or a preacher of any kind, a missionary, a pastor, an evangelist, whatever, and we think it's his job to go share the gospel. It's his job to preach. It's his job to do those things. But the Bible clearly teaches us that it's our job, the Christian's job. The pastor ought to be a Christian, so therefore he falls into the same responsibility. And yes, there are some other things that pastors are, are held accountable for or whatnot, but the reality is the Great Commission is not the, given to the pastor, it's given to the church. And we as the church ought to partake in it. God has not given us the spirit of fear. 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. If you have fear today, it's not because God's given it to you. It's because you need to replace it with faith. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power because of Christ, of love, perfect love casteth out fear, and of a sound mind, discretion, the ability to speak truth and only truth. Have you found yourself in opportunities but unable to take advantage of the opportunity? Why is that? I've been there. Opportunity, share the gospel. Didn't do it. Why not? And sometimes it's different reasons. But at the end of the day, it comes back to something that I haven't loved that person the way I was supposed to. Could have been because of fear. Could have been because of my time. I'm too busy. I got to go. That's why you should carry tracks with you because when you're too busy, it doesn't take but a second. Hey, I'd like to just give you an invite to our church. On the back, it'll show you how you can know for certain that you can go to heaven. Or something as simple as, hey, do you mind if I just give you something real quick? We're done. Now, there are people that we need to spend more time with than that, but you see when, when our focus is on doing what God wants us to do, our excuses begin to diminish. Love, power, sound mind. Don't be ashamed of what Christ has done. And by that also, that means if we're not ashamed of it, then we're going to talk about it. Partake in it. Partake in the Great Commission. Partake in the affliction of the gospel. Partake in starting churches across the world. We have that ability to do it. And we're going to do it. As we've been doing for the last five years, we're going to give. And we're going to partake in whatever way we can in the affliction of the gospel. I know you've prayed about it, and I know I've prayed about it. Today we'll commit what God's told us to commit, and we'll use that the way that God wants us to use it to help the missionaries going throughout the world and sharing the gospel. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and what you give for us. And Lord, I don't know if I presented this well today or not, but Lord, I know it's been a help to me, and I pray that you would help me and anyone else that you've spoken to today, Lord, that we would not have that spirit of fear, but God, that we would have the power and the love and the sound mind that you've given us. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to partake in the way that you want us to partake. And God, at the end of it all, we give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.